Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and this week we're talking about character actors, which under one definition could be any actor that is aware they are playing a character, which is basically every actor except Randy Quaid. (laughs) He's not wrong, but he does it so well. Yeah, this week we're talking about those those actors that you see and you're like, eh, I remember him in that. I remember him in that. I remember him in that. The secondary characters that you kind of that stand out sometimes even above the main characters in movies. I agree. I definitely think most people's favorite character in most movies is not the lead, but is someone who's played by a character actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've each chosen uh, one for the then, one for the now, and the theme has been sci-fi. Ish. This is our first Absolutely. foray into it. So. Sci-fi yeah, and fantasy, yeah. Sci-fi fantasy, yeah. yeah. If we can get multiple shows out of a concept, we absolutely will go back to the well. And I think this this one may have legs. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good one. But, uh, yeah, so uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us and give us a call, you can ring us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. You can also click and join our Discord by uh, either copying or clicking on the Join Us link that is in the show notes. And you can also go on to uh, Facebook and contact us. The link will take you there, too. And since we do not have any voicemails, we're going back to what we had said we were going to do on show 400. And uh, is grab one of the unused questions from all oh. questions. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking about how we talk about the Discord server, and it's so great, like right now. But I wonder if we just keep doing this podcast for years, when people go back to the uh, old episodes, they're going to be like, man, remember Discord? Wasn't that great before yeah. it? Kind of like uh, if we'd been doing the show a couple of years before, it was like, visit our MySpace page. Yeah. <laughs> our MySpace page. You can find us on uh, AOL. On Angel Fire. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I When I was recruiting and work, working with the firm, I got somebody who had an Angel Fire email address for on their resume. And I called them just be just to be like, okay, it's 2008. Why do you still have an Angel Fire up until Up until probably 10, 15 years ago, I still had a Prodigy email address. See, that's but that's different. That's like Prodigy is like a big company. This Angel Fire was like this like fringe type thing. 40go14 at geocities.com. Yeah. All right. Well, question for this week is, which one of you is most likely to survive a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> We've actually role-played this scenario. Huh. I would say Joel has the most knowledge on how to, but might have the least ability to pull <laughs> yeah, through with it. Joel has the biggest gap between knowledge and ability of me. <laughs> Hey, I represent that remark. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you would have everything written out in a ten-page plan, ten-page plan as to what we should do. And then the moment the zombies came up, you would like go up to attack them with a bat and drop it. Like, uh oh. <laughs> well, when we were playing Undead America, remember his big, his big. Uh, what was your thing for this flaming skullhead monster? Was to shoot the insulating foam into its mouth. Do you remember that? No, but I remember that I was so excited because I'm like, okay, cool. I got two guns. I'm going to slide across the hood of this car and I'm going to shoot at the zombies, you know, with like John Woo style. And I fell off the car. 
Yeah. That's because we base the characters on ourselves. <laughs> right. That's the most fun I've had. Like, that was so much fun, that game. That, that was fucking good. game. That was a, great that was a game. shame. We just had too many players, and one of my big problems, uh, I actually talked about this on Reddit uh, when someone asked if anyone had ever run this. One of the big problems is because people were playing themselves, uh, everyone played too safe, and every time I tried to put the group into an interesting, you're in danger situation, everyone was like, no, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> and Walking Dead had not yet come out, so I didn't get the idea of, okay, fine, everything's fine for six months, you're running out of food. What are you going to do, fuckers? <laughs> uh, I would say Patrick probably has a, the upper hand for the fact that he has guns. He's not the training. only one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you oh. two got guns. I don't have, I, strangely enough, I don't own a gun. I, I have a bat, an aluminum bat. <laughs> we have multiple I, swords in the house. I do have See, a sword. The, the question is, I think Patrick is default based on attributes, more likely to survive than I am. But I want to survive. Ah. <laughs> That's a good point. It will all depend on whether my fight or flight sticks. You know, it's, it's like, wait, do I want to fight this or I just want to give him right now? <laughs> it's like, oh, if I got him. <laughs> like, if I got something to fight for, then probably, yeah. You know, but yeah, if, if, if they break into my house, like, right now, I'd just be like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I may have a little bit of advantage because I'm like on the edge of civilization on the Chicagoland area. Past me, it's nothing but cornfields and horse farms. You've also got a larger family to take care of who would potentially slow you down because you would definitely try to save them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you and I have, well, you and I and Patrick have dogs. And I've thought about this, that if you have dogs, you're immediately in trouble unless you get rid of the dogs. That's true. Chewie is a definite liability. He will not shut the fuck up. <laughs> so that puts us at a disadvantage because Mike doesn't have any animals that make loud noises. Although Lucy can fight. Yeah, Lucy's a pity. So that'll you got that going for you. But she won't. Yeah, but she won't stop barking at things. So that would definitely be a yeah. We, she'd be good in the first battle, and then probably done after that. <laughs> so yeah, I'd be all right. I think I'd be all right until like Sophie, being my eighteen-year-old, decided to make some sort of snarky comment back. Shh, quiet. We just go. Gotta be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Zombie, what are you gonna do? Bite me? <laughs> Meanwhile, Ricky's in the back parkouring off of things. <laughs> He's just jumping, surfing off the top of heads of zombies. He survives for the next twelve years I just don't, I don't by know. parkour. <laughs> I mean, the other other thing is like all of my family is around here. Like majority of my family oh. lives within a mile of my house, even a half mile of my house, which could be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because then you want to go get them, right. or just you know imagine. I mean, I love I love your mother and everything, but just imagine you know if you had to flee the house, how much you know. Well, yeah. that puts Josh and Patrick back at an advantage again. This right. is a great question. Now I will tell you a hundred percent. You know who's going to survive? My dad. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh god. My dad will kayak out of there. He, he'll he'll survive, and then he'll just be like, yeah, well, you know, you just do what you got to do. Okay. <laughs> His mustache would be, you know, beat him up more. You than You know, I he's would. gone full I mean, he, Fu Manchu with is, that now, right? He, he no? is the 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 character from Tremors. We've had this discussion before. Yeah, he is Burt oh, yeah. Gummer. Yeah, like, there you every go. every Halloween, I keep telling him like, Dad, you just need the ball cap. I'll make you a fake rifle that you can, you know, stupidly large rifle you can carry around with because you are Burt Gummer. You need to play, play this. Ah, eh, you know, I think it'd be, it'd be fun, you know, but. Just, it'd be sad how many people wouldn't get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even like Tremors, and I would still get that. So I think it's kind of like a it's, it's like a, a roulette wheel for all of us on that, really. Yeah. Where, where that I mean, falls. there's just too many variables. 
I mean, it Lots sounds like we're all in agreement that Joel would die. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Joel, Joel is definitely not <laughs> the one that's going to be number one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing we can definitely agree on, Joel. <laughs> we don't know who the last one would be. We definitely know who the first one would be. <laughs> I'm going to outlive all you fuckers. I'm going to push you I, in front of I, zombies. And I really, I really do think Mike would be next to go simply because he would be trying to protect, like, 12 different people. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's going to depend, like, can I get with a group of survivors where I can pull a Eugene from Walking Dead? Oh. What, what does that mean? I don't have not. Eugene's whole thing is, like, he's very intelligent and he's a very good liar. And he has, beyond that, he has no skills. And he is one of the longer living survivors on The Walking Dead. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 and it's going to depend on Patrick's will to live. Yeah. Where's Patrick on the chart today, you know? <laughs> I'm either going to be buried on day one or I'll be king by day 12. <laughs> Parkour! He's going to come back around. We finally come back and he's he's dressed like Tina Turner and uh, <laughs> who rules Bonner Town. He doesn't have to wear that outfit. He chooses to wear that outfit. <laughs> he's the only one wearing a weird outfit. Everybody else is in suits and jeans. Yeah. But I think the question is, if he's the last man on Earth, does he get laid? Oh, <sighs> uh, well... Yeah, and, like you could make the statement that because I've got Sarah, that's a liability, but I think she's a better survivor than I am. So I'm not yeah. sure that's an, true. She's one hundred percent. I would give. Yeah, I would give her the advantage yeah. over you. Yes. yes. <laughs> she gets up, throws Chewie at you, and makes a break for it. <laughs> Why is she making that noise? Turns no, out she's her had throwing Chewie. She's had a go bag hidden in the garage the entire time. Just I don't think she'd abandon the dogs. Like I, I don't think I could either. But I think she's even less likely than me. Yeah, she. No, she's she's more likely to abandon Josh than the dogs. If, yeah. And if you're in the bathroom, she's, that increases the chances. She's like, I know Josh can fend for himself. I'm taking the dogs. We're gonna. Josh survive. will survive <laughs> as long as he keeps pooping. <laughs> Zombies would be like, I ain't going in there. Well, I'm dead. Weapon, I'm not going in there. Her weapon of choice in the house is much easier than the kind of shitty Russian assault rifle. It doesn't even have that many bullets. I mean, she's got a bow and arrow and can use it. Yep. She's turning herself into her Dungeons and Dragons character. Yeah. I'm trying to she's think what gar- I got. She's gardening. She's learning. You know, just, just watch it. You know I've got I've got a Wakazashi, and I've got a cricket bat, so I guess I'm doing all right weapon-wise with that. Oh, you're going to go to the Winchester, hang out, have a pipe. Yeah, I know. This whole thing to blow over. I have a Remington 12 gauge. I have a 40 caliber uh, Sig Sauer, and I have a uh, a nine millimeter. That Sig um, Sauer is so nice. Yeah, <laughs> I just gotta say, Sig is my favorite. <laughs> if, I, if I ever get a gun, it'll probably be a Sig because those are just nice pieces of ring. I've got a Heinz 57. Um, <laughs> an A1. <laughs> fighting a moth with with condiment guns. With condiment. Uh, and the I'm the zombies, condiment king! And the zombies are like, it's seasoned itself. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's that answer. Yeah, that's a good question. We yeah. spent like half an hour on that. Seriously. We just, like, the first thing, we know what the we know who number one and number two are probably going to be, and the rest of it's just a complete crapshoot depending on the situation and how Pat feels. Lots of variables. <laughs> Lots of variables. So. All right. So I think it's about that time, right, Mike? Uh, it is about that time. This weekend, music, movies, and TV, and sports.
I don't know what the hell that was. So I I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's a real throwback. Wow. That is fan Nikki New Zealand who called in with uh, her version of she did the twee for us, and I I added the music because she just sounded so peppy. <laughs> yep. Hi, Nikki. Oh, Nikki. One of our Nikki is one of our first super fans. Yep. Lives in New Zealand, and we have all met her in person when she and her man came uh, to visit. Why can't I? John? No. Right? Joel did not meet her. I was not able to make it there. <gasps> yes, it's John. Yep. When they came now to Now she's America got two kids with John. Yep. So, oh, she's hi, awesome. Nikki. Hi, John. Yeah, so this week we're going with December 26th, year 2000, the death of Jason Robards, oh. one of the original and still greatest character actors. A goat. Yes. All right, so music. The number one song in the land was Independent Woman, Part 1, by Destiny's Child. Ugh. Is that the, that's not all the single ladies, right? No. That's a different one, right? That's Beyonce by herself. Yeah, that's that's, that, that's literally point, all point. the single ladies is the name of the... Which one, okay, which one is Independent Women, then? That's, is that the... I don't uh, know. I mean, all the women who are independent, throw your... Like, I, oh, I've throw your hands it. up? No, your yeah. hands up? Yeah, okay, all right, yeah, I got it. And I like a lot of Destiny's Child. I just yeah. do not like that song. You sound just like him, Pat. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I, I've been working on that one. That's going to be our next side character, Destiny's Child. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on here before this continues. Uh, <laughs> Black Crows singer Chris Robinson and almost famous actress Kate Hudson rang in 2001 as newlyweds, marrying on New Year's Eve before friends and family in Aspen, Colorado, at an evening ceremony on Sunday at the Aspen Ranch, shared by Hudson's mother, Goldie Hawn, and Kurt Russell. And Patrick as Destiny's redheaded stepchild. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's clever. I, I, I thought you'd like that. I imagine how cool it would be growing up with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell as your mom and dad. Then you turn out to be Wyatt Russell, which is pretty cool. Yeah, in my Wyatt opinion. Russell's pretty cool, yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. And finally, Nick Masai, born Nicholas E., Maciochi? Maciochi? Yeah, Maciochi, I would say. Maciochi? Maciochi, Ichi, Oso, Soft, and Cuddly. Uh, He was an American bass singer and guitarist and songwriter of For the Four Seasons. As a bass singer, Masai had been playing with several bands before he joined Frankie Valli and Tommy DeVito. After the group evolved into the Four Seasons, they performed such hits as Sherry, Dawn, Go Away, and Ragdoll. He was responsible for most of the group's vocal arrangements, Masai, Tommy DeVito, Frankie Valli, and Bob Godillo, the original members of the Four Seasons, were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990 and the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 1999. Masai died of cancer on December 24th, 2000, and was absorbed. Before anyone calls in about that, I'm not sure anyone will. I'm pretty sure it's Massey. Massey? Okay. Yeah, Mm. I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's Nick Massey, Tommy DeVito, Frankie Valli, and Bob Gaudio. Okay. My apologies, Mr. Massey. Ragdoll's a great song. Did the alternate spelling. Dawn, go away. Is that like a, like, literally like a song? You like know breakup? that one. Yeah. You, Dawn, yeah. Yeah. Go, go away. away. I'm no good for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. It's amazing, Patrick. You sound just yeah. like Destiny's well, Child I'm... and just like Frankie Valli. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's something I've been working on. All my impressions. I went to impression camp. Oh. Oh, is that what you did this uh, summer? <laughs> You're at I'll impression you camp? 90, I'll write you a 90-word essay on it later. <laughs> All right. Moving on to movies. The top movie in the land was Castaway, starring Tom Hanks and Wilson. Wilson! Patrick does a uh, mean Wilson impression. <laughs> Hold on, I'll do it for you right now. See, what you can't yeah. see is he put a volleyball on his head and he's just being a dick to everyone. It's mean <laughs> Wilson. No, I just swam away. <laughs> he's got a volleyball yeah. with a fence up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've never seen Castaway. 
Neither of really? Wow, it's really good. I saw it in the fucking theaters. Me too. I, I went to go see it just because it was Tom Hanks and I like him. Not really expecting a whole lot. And man, I I really love that movie. I feel like I, yeah, they I don't shaved some of the ending off though. But I don't dislike Tom Hanks. I just don't like him as much as you two do. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Josh. The transition is just a shocking moment in the in in film history. Well, and he just threw himself into that role like 125. percent Yep. All right. Uh, Julius J. Epstein was a screenwriter who is best remembered for being a co-writer of the screenplay of Casablanca, for which the writers won an Academy Award. He received two more Oscar nominations in his career. His movies included Four Daughters, The Bride Came C.O.D., The Man Who Came to Dinner, Mr. Skeffington, The Tender (laughs) Trap, Light in the Piazza, and the acronym of the week, SMNF, which I'm pretty sure just stands for Some Men Need Fudge. Oh. I got it's me. Upstairs. I'm some men. Me too. I am one of those men. <laughs> Fudge. No, that is yeah. that is send me no flowers. Ah, uh, well, he He's died this week and did not want flowers. Movies. Mr. Skeffington. I want to. I want to be that nickname, Mr. Skeffington. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen that. I've seen The Bride Came Cod. That's uh. That's- um, Cadney and Skeefing? Betty Davis. You're Mr. Skeefington. Oh, yeah. And so. the man who came to dinner with El, uh, Monty Woolley is a family favorite. And it's it's, hmm. it's really funny because it's it's kind of weirdly modern because Monty Woolley is this uh, radio personality comes to this guy's house, trips and falls on the front stairs because it's snowy out, and then threatens to sue him for not taking care of his stairs. And I was like, wow, that's very current. Um, <laughs> then he just makes his life a life of living hell. It also has um, Jimmy Durante well, in there also. The Tender Trap is Frank Sinatra and Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, none of, all these movies yeah. are just, I mean, um, Mr. Skeffington's a Betty Davis film. I don't oh. think I've seen any of these. Oh, yeah, uh, Betty Davis and uh, Claude Rains. <gasps> yeah, I haven't oh, seen I any Claude either. Rains. Yeah, just, wow. That's quite a resume. All right. And uh, Madonna and movie director Guy Ritchie were married at Skibo Castle in Scotland on December 23rd. <laughs> Get it out, Joel. I'm just imagining Friday, you know, Skibo. I thought you were going to go with, like, Ski Ball Castle. No. It looks like got a big ramp going up there. you got to drive the car into a little hole. I thought he was going to go with the, with the scat man. Ski Ball Castle. <laughs> Wedding guests included Sting, Gwyneth Paltrow, Donatella Versace, El- Stella McCartney. I almost said Ella McCartney. Stella McCartney, George Clooney, Robin Williams, Rupert Everett, and Brad Pitt. Wow, that's a 90s guest list if I ever heard one. Yeah, it is. All right, so TV, the top shows in the land were Survivor, The Australian Outback, ER, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Everybody Loves Raymond. Yep, that's early 2000s for sure. Mm -hmm. Also on this date, Billy Barty, born (laughs) William John Bertzenet. Bertanzetti? Bertanzetti was an American actor and activist. He stood three foot nine in height due to dwarfism, and he specialized in outspoken or wisecracking characters. During the 1950s, he became a television actor, regularly appearing in the Spike Jones Ensemble, which tracks. In the early 70s, he was a staple in a variety of roles in children's TV programs produced by Sid and Marty Croft. Barty died of heart failure on December 23rd at age 76. Man, short man, long life. I remember him in it was a Goldie Hawn, one of the uh, Goldie Hawn Chevy Chase movie. Oh, Foul Play? Foul Play, yes. Where he was a Bible salesman. <laughs> he did so many things. I mean, he's got like, 
Looks like he's got 213 credits here. and He was in Willow. He was in... Um, Legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah Masters of the Universe. Mr. Wizard, the TV show. Yeah. He, again, amazing character actor, falling in with yep. what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. And he did a lot of TV, like, like on Love Boat and Fantasy Island and stuff. You'd see him pop up all the time. All right. Then in the first sign that he was finally slowing down, ABC broadcast Dick Clark's primetime New Year's Rockin' Eve at 10 p.m. Eastern Time for the first time ever, followed by local news or programming, and then the main New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. Seacrest out. So how old would he have been in 2000? God, he been Dick like Clark? 80s, right? Yeah. No, probably 70s. Uh, Dick Clark was born in 1929. 71. No. Oh. All right. Well, there you go. There's TV. TV. <laughs> and lastly, sports. Sports. On December 27th, Pittsburgh Penguins center and part owner Mario Lemieux scored a goal and two assists in his return to the NHL after more than three years out due to injury problems and lingering cancer issues. Ooh, ooh. The Penguins beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-0. to zero. Comeback storming, huh? Yeah. And lastly, Neil James Napier Hawk was an Australian test cricketer and leading Australian rules footballer. He quickly developed as a natural all-round sportsman who excelled in cricket, football, and golf. Hawk made an impact on the cricket field as a medium-fast swing bowler with an unusual crab-like action, a capable lower-order batsman, and a sound fieldsman. He made his first-class cricket debut for Western Australia in November 1959, scoring 89 and returning the figures of 0 for 49. However, Hawk failed to capitalize on this initial success and returned to South Australia at the end of the 1959-60 cricket season. His cricket also developed enough for him to make his test debut on February 15, 1963 in the 5th Ashes Test against England at the Sydney Cricket Ground, scoring 14 and recording match figures of 2 for 89. After surgeries ended his cricket and football careers, he took to golf. The first and still the only person to have represented both South Australia and Western Australia in Australian rules football and cricket. He died in Adelaide on Christmas Day at age 61. I like the crab-like I, I'm curious, yeah. I don't know what that means, yeah. Like, walk sideways? I could almost envision it, like if he's got like his arm curled around the ball, kind of like a crab claw. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. And he kind of sidesteps and throws or, it. Or maybe he squats down on his haunches as he throws or something. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe he gets really red-faced. Rips off his arm and runs away. <laughs> maybe he dips himself in butter. Mm. Uh, maybe he's just like has Old Bay that he uses. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're going, down, we're going down maybe, weird, maybe, weird alley Maybe he's now. part of a salad made with mayonnaise and celery. <laughs> maybe he hits the ball with a mallet instead of pitching it. Oh, my God. He actually was a crab. Who oh, no. May, maybe he's found in Patrick's genitals. <laughs> <laughs> well, who isn't? Oh, wait, everyone. Oh. We all live in Patrick's genitals. That's the, the secret. It's, it's the snow globe of reality. Yep. <laughs> That's the most disturbing thing. <laughs> oh, I want to wake up now. So, yeah, I think on that note, play us off, Keyboard Joel. With pleasure. All right, as Josh alluded to earlier, character acts a lot of times in movies. People come walking out, and yeah, Brad Pitt may have been in that movie, but everybody's talking about this secondary character that just totally chewed up the scenery every time they're on screen. <laughs> so my first question is, how we, we kind of discussed this beforehand, just to figure out who we're talking about, but how do you define a character actor? 
Yeah, I think oh. it's someone who's known for playing secondary or supporting roles, typically who plays a character that is unusual. Because they're not, there are working actors who are just like background or sometimes supporting actors. But I think character actors usually are fairly distinctive as they play a type or maybe a variety of types, depending on how good they are being like a chameleon. So less typecast and more, like you said, swapping out different faces all the time. They could also be typecast, though, like a Ken Leung who's known as being the Asian henchman bad guy, and he he rolls with it. I mean, he's done hundreds and hundreds of movies, even as a documentary about him, but he's the one Asian henchman that you always see with the long hair and the Fu Manchu, like, mustache and, and goatee that's always doing kung fu. So Yeah, but, he, he was like the, the guy with the two hatchets and then the uh, six shooters in Big Trouble in Little China. Right. And it was the guy that did the electrical uh, uh, torture on Gibson with a whip, right? Yep. But then I think we also said, I don't think, I don't know if it was Patrick or Josh that said um, they could be a lead um, in a movie, but. Um, I said the, the way the the way I phrase it was they're not the lead in more than like three movies that they didn't either write or direct. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, I mean, because otherwise, I mean, because then you get into the area of like guys like uh, Steve Buscemi and. Uh, and um, um, Lionel Barrymore, who eventually, they started as character actors, but eventually by the end of their career, they were definitely lead. See, I, I, I disagree on Buscemi. Uh, I think Buscemi always ha was a character actor. I think he's not anymore is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's graduated to a lead. Hmm. I think he's been a lead, but I, I don't know. I, I think almost any list would have him on it. I, I just, I feel like the him being on the other side of the line is a little too narrow. But I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm not saying he was never, I'm, he, he just isn't anymore. That's all. Yeah, I just don't think he's had enough leads that uh, he isn't anymore. Yeah. Hmm. I think Boardwalk Empires changed him into a lead. But I don't know. We're not it's, discussing it's... Steve Buscemi this, this show anyway. So. Well, we've right. already done a Steve Buscemi show, so he was going to be off the list anyway. Yeah. True. Yeah. All right, so then we'll start in with the uh, picks for then. Now, looks like, looks like I'm first up. Uh, I went with Kevin McCarthy for the then. Good choice. Yeah, so uh, just to give you the vision of who Kevin McCarthy is, he's the bad guy from UHF. <laughs> he's also the bad guy from Inner Space, Victor Scrimshaw. It's another great uh, evil dude character that he played. Um, starting out... Don't forget the, Invasion of the Space well, I'll get there. Okay. 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 Is there any more suggestions that you have for me, Joel? Yeah, I'll, I'll let yeah? you go. You okay. drive. Thank okay. you. All right, so born in 1914, uh, he was... First known, like Joel says, for Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Just wanted to get out how old it was. Uh, he, and actually showed up in the remake of, of um, the one that we watched with uh, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, he plays the screaming man. He's actually the, the one of the guys running the street as a cameo. In that. But he does have a track record of being in... Um, Sci-fi and fantasy type stuff. Now, first off, oh, and he he was also in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, that. he was. That's right, Patrick. Thank you for bringing that up. I totally forgot about that. That would be sci-fi. Yes, that would be sci-fi. And also in sci-fi, he was in a episode of The Twilight Zone uh, called "Long Live Walter Jameson," where he plays an Eternal, a guy who cannot die, and he is getting engaged to a new woman, and his his previous wife, who he has ditched because he is outliving her, comes back to. Uh, call him out on it um i've seen it it's a really good really good episode uh he is also known for um where'd it go uh he was in 1978's piranha okay yep he was also in 1980s 81's the howling 
as Fred Francis, which they're remaking The Howling. I can't wait for us to do that show. I don't know why, but I love that movie. movie. And The Howling too is even fun. We do we do with like all of them. Uh, but Boobs also and werewolves. What's what's not to love? Okay. <laughs> um, but he came back to do uh, Twilight Zone the movie as Uncle Walt in the It's a Good Life segment. Now we talked about this in scary movies back in like the first ten episodes. He's the poor schmo that had to pull that rabbit out of the hat. Oh, okay. Yep. He that might fucking be. Rabbit. Uh, of all of our lists, he might be the one who had the earliest starting career. I'm not positive about that. We'll we'll see when we get to Joel's pick, uh, who had the very first credit. But uh, yeah, he had 205 credits. Okay, uh, credit doesn't have the most, but he might have, have the earliest. Yeah, the he earliest does. for him was he beats mine. 1944. Yeah, he beats yeah. mine for sure. So I'm pretty sure he's got the earliest credit. I know he doesn't have the most. Yeah, but he definitely was not uh, did not slow down at all. He did some voices from Batman the Animated Series, uh, Doctor Long from the episode Nothing to Fear, and uh, there was one shortly after it that I had it marked off. Uh, Looney Tunes back in action in two thousand and three. <laughs> he was in that and the Legend of Razorback. Oh, uh, is so, that about the like killer like I think the wild the, boar? Yeah, about the killer boar. <clears throat> Uh, and all the way up into the end, he was in something called the Boneyard Collection in a segment. And it's a plays latecomer in the movie The Trail of the Screaming Forehead. Joel, this is I, 100% your type of movie. A small town infestation of crawling alien foreheads that begin attaching to people and taking them over collides with the scientists' experiments to extract foreheadazine. And things go horribly, horribly wrong. That's a Larry Blumeyer film. He uh, did... Um... Uh, the lost skeleton of Cadavera. Which... Oh yeah, that. Did you did you say foreheadazine? Yes, I did say foreheadazine. This guy basically okay. makes like period correct films spoofs. Like the the lost skeleton of Cadavera is like a send up of fifty sci fi movies. Um, and this one looks like it's you know right in line with that same kind of thing. They're what, hilarious. What did you say his name was uh, Larry Blameyer. Oh okay, because the last movie that he wound up doing was the ghastly love of Johnny X. Which he also did. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Looks like a, it's a, like a setup of a, like a 1950s horror schlock mm -hmm. type movie. And in this one, he plays the Grand Inquisitor, and he's wearing like a Devo type hat with a you know gold lame cape, but everything's filmed in black and white. If he's it's it's so dry and so straight that if if you're a fan of the genre, it's fucking hilarious. He did uh, the Skeleton Returns again, and uh, Dark and Stormy Night is another couple of his. I didn't know about this movie though. He's he's done so many of them. Uh, he's it's funny. Good no, stuff. Shows him Kevin McCarthy because he plays the hero in some things. He plays the villain. He's amazing as as a villain in his in his villain roles, like in UHF or in, in like I said before in Inner Space. He plays the over the top businessman type role really well. And I don't know. He's even in those roles. He's like friendly. See, yeah, I, I usually think of him as, like, if I'm thinking of a typical Kevin McCarthy role, I'm thinking of him as, like, a hard-nosed, dickish rich guy or maybe, like, a slightly corrupt uh, general type. Mm -hmm. But no matter what, he's always got a little bit of a Weasley quality. Yeah, 100%. Not like Ron Weasley, I mean, like a weasel. Yeah, where, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, like, always, always, like, um... You know, got the thing on the side. Always has like a second type of thing. Always going to kind of try and screw you over. He's, yeah, he's he, a backstabber. He, yeah, he's uh -huh. kind of like the um, like he could be Paul Reiser's dad from Aliens. 
<laughs> if he were in an 80s comedy, you know the plucky heroes would serve him his just desserts by the end. Oh, uh, yep, 100%. They would save the youth center from him being able to tear it down. Yeah, with breakdancing and love. And you know he would be like, you damn kids. He's a good pick, though. Yeah. I like McCarthy. Yeah, he's one that you, you if you saw him, 100% you'd know who he was. But knowing his name, maybe not as much. Yeah. And from the opposite of that, we'll go to uh, my pick, I think. Are we done with uh, Kevin? Or yeah, you? I think we are. He was on my short list, Patrick, and yeah, good, yeah, good call. I picked, uh, I picked Keith David, who is uh, almost on that border of is he is he too famous to be a character actor? But, I mean, he is so well-known as a character actor that I decided I had to, I had to pick him. Yeah. Plus, he, he did he some was, amazing. He was the reason I knew Kevin McCarthy was not the uh, person with the most credits. Because Keith David has 341 credits. Holy cats. Yeah. The man has been working uh, since his first ever movie in 1982, which was one of my most favorite movies from my childhood, The Thing. Yep. You talk about a a debut. Right. And then he was in uh, They Live also. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, so yeah, he started off uh, born in Harlem uh, and raised in Queens. uh, Got uh, Actually, one of the, one of the funny things I'd learned about him is that his first ever role was in high school as he played the Cowardly Lion in a school production of Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's right up your alley. Yeah, I've always played him. And he got accepted to Juilliard uh, in the drama division, graduated Juilliard, and got a, got a role uh, in Midsummer Night's Dream from the John Hausman Acting Company. Also starred in uh, Waiting for Godot, and then he went from that directly into the thing, and his wow. career just took off in theater or in music after that. He had a little bit of a time, a little bit of time in Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. You guys know that? No, I didn't know that. I didn't either. So I know this. Yeah, he was a uh, he played Keith the Carpenter in the Neighborhood of Make Believe segment. Huh. Wild. He yeah. also played himself in the Saints Row video games, and at one point becomes the president of the United States. Wait, no, the main character becomes the president. I think he's the vice president. Yeah, he's the he's the VP. But he yeah, plays it, Keith David. Yes, that's yeah. funny. Oh, yeah, we'll it, get into it, that in the voice acting part. And it makes it makes total sense when you're uh, when you see it. But yeah, so I mean, you know, I know this is supposed to be just you know we picked these for guys for sci-fi and fantasy and everything, but I'm just gonna run run through uh, his whole list of well, not his whole list, that'd take forever. Yeah. But like some of the highlights, he was in Platoon, which yep. you know everybody you know, everybody knows Platoon. He was in They Live, which is clearly you know sci-fi. Um, famous one of the famous scenes in 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 Hollywood stunt work is him and and, and Roddy Roddy Piper deciding they just wanted to film a long fight scene, so they just created a. Nine a, minutes. Stu- a stupid yeah. fight over whether they were going to wear the glasses or not, and they had a five-minute fight scene. I thought it was nine minutes. Was it five? Was minutes? it nine minutes? Yeah. No, it's like was... it's it's nine minutes, like nine minutes, because I w- I just watched this a couple weeks ago with Katie, and she was like, "They're <laughs> still fighting over the glass." I'm like, and and she was even funny because she's like, "Larry David, uh, not Larry David." Ah, <laughs> she goes, uh, "Keith David." <laughs> dun, dun, dun. He just literally punched him square in the mouth. I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's not going <laughs> to shy away from a real punch. Uh, He's been punched in the face a million times." <laughs> I just looked it up. It says six minutes is the actual clock time. So Damn. darn it! Oh. Feels they like even did a, did a shot for shot remake on South Park when when they had Timmy and uh, Jimmy fight out. You know, in the cripple fight episode. Nice. Oh, so funny. He's also in uh, Minute Work, the the Emilio Estevez vehicle. I like that movie. I thought you meant the band. <laughs> yeah, he plays the flute. <laughs> <laughs> Marked for Death, which I think is, is Steven Seagal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was in that. Uh, the, the movie Dead Presidents. The heist movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played uh, a character in that. There's something about Mary, one of his most famous roles as 
as Marky Post's husband and the guy talks, you know, the, the <clears throat> famous Franks and Beans scene. Mm -hmm. Franks and Beans! <laughs> How'd you get the beans about the Franks? <laughs> Pitch Black, another, you know, sci-fi movie. Uh, I just skipped all the sci-fi stuff. Uh, I don't know, what, you know, Chronicles of Riddick, obviously, but I don't know if you would want to call uh, Agent Cody Banks. Is that a, uh, is that sci-fi? Uh, yeah, it, it traipses. It's a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah, he was in that as well, but... um. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He played he, he played a character called Father. You guys yeah. remember that one? The one he was the, good in that way. I actually just yeah. watched that like two nights ago. He was only in it for a minute, but you hear his voice more than anything. And I th I just think for his character actor pedigree, he just adds that little bit of spice to the movies. Like if he's in it, you know it's above average for the seedless movies. You know, he never phones anything in. No. That's and then some of his television shows he's been in. He was on uh, the unsuccessful The Cape. The Cape. Uh, he was that? on one season of Hawaii Five O, Cloud Atlas, uh, Enlisted. I don't know if you guys remember that that, that comedy. Eh, not really that, but and then uh, Community. Most of us know Community. He played uh, Community in the sixth season. He played Elroy Potashnik. Okay. Which was a lot of people think you know the weakest season of all six seasons. He was great as you know his character was. And uh, currently, well, not currently, but uh, his last TV venture was uh, something from Oprah Winfrey Network called Greenleaf that I'm not familiar with. You're not familiar with something called Greenleaf, Patrick? Yeah, the show Greenleaf. I'm familiar with a leaf that is green. Oh. Several of them, in fact, one in particular we don't need to mention. Or... Basil. <laughs> yes, well, Basil. You, yeah. you also made he, he does the voice of the president in Rick and Morty. Yep, well, that's, you know, we're getting to the oh, voice sorry. acting portion now. So yeah, he does a ton of voice acting too. Because if anybody knows Keith David, you know he's got that monstrous deep, you know, bass. It's a rich voice. baritone. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was on he was on uh, Gargoyles, Spawn. He's played a voice in Archer, Princess Monoki. Um, is that how you pronounce Mononoke? it? Mononoke. 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 Yeah. And like you said earlier, he was in some games. He did Planescape uh, Torment, Halo Two, Halo Three. All the yeah. Halos, apparently. He does the, I think he does the voice of, like, the uh, gunnery sergeant in all the Halo movies, or Halo games, yeah. Mm -hmm. The Arbiter, is that who he's yeah. called? Yep. Yeah. The yeah. Arbiter's a, a Oh, no, a the Arbiter is, yeah, the Arbiter's one, uh, bad, no, oh, bad. Well, that's what he well, does in, in Halo, is the Arbiter, yeah. it says. Okay, that, he's, it's complicated. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, yeah, we don't need it. But then Saints I, Row, as Josh mentioned earlier, um, game called Terrorist Threats, I've never heard of that one. He's yeah. pretty big in the Mass Effect trilogy, too. Yeah. But yeah, he's done a ton of voice work um, in in the video game industry, in the movie industry, and documentaries. He's done a ton of you know he's he's done a ton of uh, animated movies. He played a god in Hercules. He's been in Final Fantasy, Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just he's he's done a, a lot of work with um with uh, not David Attenborough, uh, Ken uh, Ken Burns. He's done a lot of documentary stuff for him. He's done WWE documentaries. He as you said earlier, he played you know the voice of the he plays the voice of the president in Rick and Morty. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 everywhere. I mean, he's 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 a man that has has been in so much, but is rarely ever the lead. So he's like he's like one of the one of the blueprints for character. I but did look. he ever do a movie with David Keith? That's the question. Is it though? Yeah, I was gonna it say it is now. I, I would love to see a movie with Keith David and Terry Crew playing like <laughs> like a buddy, like almost like a buddy cop type movie. That would be. Funny. be the I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, day. the I'm too old old for this type of thing. That'd be funny. <clears throat> I'm just I was I got lost in the fact that I was thinking if like Keith David and David Keith got married they could take each other's names and one would be Keith David Keith and the other would be David Keith David. <laughs> uh, there used to be a, a search engine option on IMDb where you could look up two people's it. names. It happened. They were okay. in lottery ticket. 
Oh, the the un- ensemble. Uh, what's the word? Vignette movie. Well, yeah, it was like a a guy buys a winning lottery ticket in a poor neighborhood, and uh, he's got to survive a three day weekend when all of his neighbors know that he's got the ticket that's worth like three hundred uh, million. I kind of remember that now. Oh, yeah, that's not what like, I'm thinking of. What am I, I'm thinking of twenty dollars. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, this is. Oh, yeah, you're thinking of twenty bucks. Yeah, this yeah. is one with Ice Cube and T Pain, Mike Epps. Like, it's got a pretty big cast. It's actually pretty funny. I just looked it up because uh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I forgot his character name, and that was Sweet Tea. <laughs> nice. That's funny. But yeah, he um he's played Dolomite on stage. Oh, really? That's cool to see. Yep. He was in The Wiz on stage on Broadway um, with uh, Whitney Houston, Cedric the Entertainer, and Samuel E. Wright. Now, does he sing? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. I've never heard the, him. I don't know. I, you see, you say the Wiz. I expect yeah, him to yeah, be right? like the yeah, Cowardly he... Lion again. That would have been. Pretty... I'm the Wiz. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if any, you know, that's about all I have to say about him. I just, I just love just about everything he's in. Yeah, it's like... impossible to have seen everything he's in. Everything, everything that I have seen, I've enjoyed him. Yeah, you'd almost have to commit. Like this is all I'm doing from now on to get yeah. caught up on his filmography. I mean, it'd take you more than a year if you decided to watch one every day. Wow. Oh, yeah, if you hadn't heard of him, uh, that's Keith David. You should have heard of him. And if you haven't, you need to look him up. Start with the thing and just move forward. All right. Uh, so my choice was Ralph Peter Ingvar Storm, better known as Peter Stormare, who uh, is was born in Sweden. And most people know him from his role in Fargo. Uh, big Swedish dude. Tends to play a lot of Russians. What pancakes uh, now? <laughs> Russian parts, American parts, all made in Taiwan. Um, he was born, like I said, in Sweden. Um, he, uh, after Bono heard some of his music, he encouraged him to release an album. And since then, he's released several albums. Uh, he plays in a band called Blonde from Fargo. Oh, there you go. Huh. Um, has his own label called Stormvox. And he's three albums total is what the wiki page. I thought there was fourth one now. But yeah, he apparently he's it, He should have named his band Woodchipper. Right? That would have been better than Blonde from Fargo. <laughs> um, he's been acting since 1978, uh, so a little earlier than uh, Keith David, but he's only got 201 credits to his career so far. If, he, if you hadn't brought it up, I would have, because I've been tracking these. Um, yeah, he's he's been busy, uh, done a lot of stuff, video games, cartoons, movies. Um, as far as like specifically sci-fi uh, fantasy stuff. He was in uh, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. Uh, it was in Armageddon, which we just quoted. Uh, I'm bringing up Dancer in the Dark, not because it's sci-fi, but just because it's an amazing movie that makes me actually made me cry. Um, he was in Minority Report, Constantine, uh, The Brothers Grimm. He was friggin' amazing as Lucifer in yes. Constantine. Yes, he really was. Uh, he was in Quake 4, the, the game. Uh, he also was on the animated Transformers series from 2008, uh, Adventure Time. Are you going chronologically? Because you missed a huge credit of his. One thing that I, I would argue a lot of people know him for better now. Better than Transformers? Uh, better better maybe even than Fargo. Uh, he's the Russian god of death in American Gods. He's Zhernabog. Yep, I was getting there. I was going chronological. Oh, okay, yeah. That's all right. Sorry, you were you were digging really deep into weird voice credits, so I thought you maybe skipped <laughs> a big one. No, I just I was going in order from uh, earliest to uh, latest because my bad. After, that's all right. Um, 
He was in Lockout, which if you've not seen it, it's it's fun. Um, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, the Zero Theorem, uh, Arrow. He's on the Arrow TV series, apparently. Um, he was in the video game Until Dawn, which is one of Laura's favorites of all time. Uh, he was in John Wick 2, which I don't know if that classifies as uh, sci-fi necessarily, but it's damn good. Uh, he was on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series American Gods. And uh, most recently, he's, was on, he's on Troll Hunters, the Guillermo del Toro Netflix Car- thing. The cartoon? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he also he's the voice of Godbrand in Castlevania as well. Oh, okay. Uh, something that you you uh, that I've seen him in, Joel. He also was in Blacklist, mm-hmm. the, the TV show. Here he plays like the crazy Russian who comes over, and I mean just it, just the same as amazing uh, actum. Also, it's just like he changes his identity while he's over here, and it's standard crazy Russian terrorist type of thing. But again, another Stormare presentation. Well, he's just such an interesting kind of actor where he can play a good guy, but in a lot of ways he plays a better bad guy. He's got a show recently that uh, was from like 2016 that I wanted to see called Swedish Dicks uh, that Keanu Reeves is in as well. Um, where he plays a, a former like um, stuntman and like he's got like a pri- private detective firm or something like that. It's just It just looks bizarre, but it's a Swedish-American show. Um, I think it's on... I want to say it's on prime or one of those one of the streaming services and it just looks kind of weird and funny plus keanu reeves you know it's breathtaking now i like him in stuff where he plays good guys or anything that i see him in the thing that throws me with his roles if he's ever clean shaven <laughs> it's I, I in my mind peter stormare only has a full a full beard or looks like he's you know just woken up from you know if he doesn't look like he's been on a heroin binge, you know. Right. Like, like when he played the director when we watched Get Shorty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He And he does those roles really well where he's got good, good comedic timing. And if you put him in kind of the right thing, he plays a good straight man. But that's also the one that's uh, the, the butt of the joke. Um, uh, yeah. One of my favorite stories about uh, Peter Stormare is when he was making American Gods. Uh, he came in looking all intimidating onto the set, but he was carrying a pink Hello Kitty lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he'd set down his pink Hello Kitty lunchbox and he'd go over to Chernobog's uh, uh, big uh, sledgehammer. And he'd just, like, without talking to anyone, would be stomping around with a sledgehammer going, Chernobog. Chernobog, Chernobog, <laughs> scaring the shit out of all of his co-stars. Well, I mean, he's getting into the role, you know, it's... right? <laughs> well, that's just it. He seems like he looks like he's an, you know, uh, very intimidating. But I, I feel like he's probably like the nicest guy. Um, he's definitely on my list of people I'd love to sit and have a drink with. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's funny when he originally st- kind of was thinking about getting into acting. Um, he when uh, he realized that there was a senior student in his acting academy that had the same uh, name as him. He was thinking about changing his name. And one of the things he was thinking about changing it to was Retep Mratz, which is Peter Storm backwards. <laughs> what? I, yeah. Thankfully, somebody talked him out of that. Right. Because, I mean, with a fucking cool name like Rolf Peter Ingvar Storm. I mean, you don't get much better than that. But when you have another person in your class, it's also peter storm i guess you get desperate but yeah so that's peter stormare i thought oh yeah that's a great picture right there yeah apparently he's famous for bringing hello kitty stuff onto set he's got a bunch of backpacks the lunchbox nice <laughs> that's awesome 
So uh, he's right. a character actor who also happens to be a character. Aww. And we have for my pick John Rice Davies with the <laughs> second <laughs> most. Second most uh, credits, uh, 276. Uh, he was uh, He's a Welsh uh, actor who was born in Wales, but uh, raised in uh, East Africa, uh, what would today be Tanzania. Huh. Wow. Uh, yeah, his dad uh, was a colonial officer. Uh, Mom was a nurse and uh, moved back to uh, the UK for school. Uh, and uh, he won a place at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London after uh, starting his career as a teacher. And uh, he was a television actor originally in the 70s, did a lot of bit parts, but probably his first breakout would be uh, the uh, miniseries Shogun. And then uh, what I think we first all knew him from is the uh, sidekick Sala in uh, the Indiana Jones movies, starting with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Snakes, you go first. Yeah, that's probably one of the first places I remember ever seeing him, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And once you get past that, like, of course, for uh, sci-fi in particular, he's one of the series regulars on the show Sliders. Uh, he did a ton of voice work, just like a lot of these guys. Uh, Pirates of Darkwater. He also was in something we touched on way, way back in the day, before Avengers came out. We talked about the Incredible Hulk episode, the trial of the Incredible Hulk. Oh, uh, yeah, with Daredevil. Uh, he played Kingpin. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. yeah he played, uh, yeah, Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin. Whoa. Uh, Mind blown. Uh, he crazy. also was on Gargoyles as Macbeth. <clears throat> Nice. Uh, he's actually done a fair amount of uh, Marvel voice. And then, uh, of course, uh, between uh, minor roles in Star Wars, Star Trek stuff, there's his biggest sci-fi fantasy as the dwarf Gimli uh, in Lord of the Rings. He's actually the only one of the Fellowship that does not have uh, the Nine tattooed somewhere on his body. Uh, instead, uh, his stunt double, who uh, was going to get dual credit for playing Gimli, he spent so much time in the makeup, uh, but the studio would not let him. Uh, instead, uh, John Rice davies uh, uh, said, whenever there's something dangerous, I send my stunt double. But the, the real story was that uh, most of the rest of the cast knew that John didn't want a tattoo and thought that the stunt double got ripped off. So he, he got Gimli's tattoo for the nine. Hmm. Um, also, uh, I think he, I've mentioned... Is he Jewish? Is, that, is it a religious reason why he didn't want to get it? I, I don't know why. I mean, he's... When you compare him to the rest of the actors, in a lot of ways, he's from a different, more conservative time and place. Mm. Like, I know Ian McKellen is uh, about the same age, but uh, they, they come from, like, sort of different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, met and spoke with John Rice Davies at length. He was a keynote speaker at one of uh, the Gamma conventions that I went to as a retailer. And uh, when he talked... Like, he, they blocked out, like, a half hour, and he talked for about an hour and 15 minutes, and no one said anything. Because <laughs> he would just go on and on about different things in the film business, and he is actually a uh, very magnetic personal speaker. And, like, I didn't have much to say to him uh, when I met him, just kind of starstruck. And he's a very big dude, and he was obviously tired and wanted to get on with his lunch. But I had to say hello to Sala when I was in the same room with him. Yeah, you would hate yourself if you never did Right. And I was like, even if I was the awkward fan who just didn't have much to say and only got to speak to him for a moment when he clearly didn't want to talk to me, I, I had to try. 
Yeah, I remember seeing, I think we kind of talked about the previous uh, show, about the movies that you remember vividly seeing for the first time. And Raiders Mm -hmm. is on my list of, like, I can tell you the whole day type of thing. And Sala was one that, like, my brother or sister and I were talking about how cool and how funny he was when he comes in with the kids, you know, at the end after Marion kisses him and he walks away singing and all that. I am the monarch Monarch of of the the sea. sea. I am the ruler of the cool. Yeah, that was that was a key as cool as Indy was. I mean, it, I'm glad they didn't put him into like the because sometimes they'll do the with like the character actor kind of sidekick and make it a little bit more slapsticky. I mean, he was really funny. He carried the movie really well, and Indy was great. Sala was a lot of fun to watch, and it's always great to see him come back in every movie. And I just realized I had the wrong Sala song because I know I was that not going to. I would swear I was not. I realized that a British man is a soaring yeah. soul. Yeah. I, I realized oh. that Mike was talking about a different because when I stopped, I was like, "Wait a minute!" That was the That's, song he was singing that where he stops and goes, "Bad date." Grabs the date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Ah. I was not going to point it out. I was like, as ah, soon as I go. said "Ruler of the Coop" and cut it off, I didn't want to run over Mike with more singing. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized I almost embarrassed myself. Because, I, I, yeah, I know that script by heart. I was nice. sitting there going, wow, he, he messed up a Raiders quote. That's funny. Okay, you got you funny. He, he caught it. He could recover. I, I, I caught it. So, yep. A British tar is a soaring soul, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, while I haven't seen it, he's uh, in some uh, more recent uh, sci-fi fantasy stuff. He was in the Shannara Chronicles, which I think I saw like one episode of and didn't care for. Uh, he did a, a little bit of voice work uh, for Once Upon a Time. Uh, speaking of voice work, uh, a lot of people might not know that in Lord of the Rings, he was also the uh, voice of Treebeard. Yep. And he yep. was never happy with the voice that he did. Yeah, he, he tried that? to make it as tree-like as possible because uh, he talks about how uh, trees don't really have vocal cords. So he tried to make it as whispery and tree-like as possible. But uh, even though he did a brilliant job, he was never satisfied with the voice. And uh, he has got uh, coming up. Let's see. Oh, I've, uh, I, there was a TV miniseries called Wizards that he was in. And he's got a bunch more uh, sci-fi fantasy coming up. Cool. He may have lost a lot of weight, but he still seems to be pretty busy working, even well, in his older age. Yeah, and uh, I, I know I mentioned he was big, but one of the things is, is like meeting him in person, you realize how huge he is. And one of the reasons they did not need three different sets of props, one hobbit size, one human size, and one dwarf size, is because he's so big that he is proportional to the hobbits. Uh, he's so much bigger, he looks like a dwarf as compared to the hobbit actors. Hmm. Huh. That's pretty cool. Nice. Well, all right. There's our, our four for the then. We've got Kevin McCarthy, Keith David, Peter Stormare, and John Rice Davies. Uh, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, you will find out who we have chosen for the now. People who have started their careers in that window of time for us. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a little bit. All right, we are back, and we are talking about character actors for the now. Now, we have – Josh, correct me. These are not people that have started their careers in the now window. They've, they've been around for a while. These are the ones that are – seems that this, what we're looking for for them are leaning a little bit more towards this side of things. Right. We're not, we're not going to be talking about a bunch of 24-year-olds. Yes, definitely not. Right. But yeah. some of the actors may have be still working from the then to the now and vice mm-hmm. versa, maybe yep. working in the then that are now. For instance, mine was a child actor. 
There you go. There you go. Yes. So going in the same order, my choice for the now is Mark Shepard. Oh, such a good choice. Yeah. I'm so glad you picked him. That meant I was free to pick someone else. (laughs) So uh, Mark Shepard, if you know him, you know him from either uh, Badger on Firefly or you know him as Crowley from Supernatural. Uh, He has also been in the show Leverage, which I have not watched, but now I am interested in. Uh, It's okay. It's all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has done... uh, He is ready for this trivia, Joel? He is the only actor... To both have been in Supernatural and Doctor Who. Yeah, and so yeah, since I haven't started Supernatural or watched Supernatural at this point, yeah, I knew him from Doctor Who from The Impossible Astronaut and uh, Day on the Moon. Day of yep. the Moon. And huh. uh, also uh, Romo Lampkin from Battlestar Galactica. That's the role I always think of first, like even before Badger, because mm-hmm. uh, Romo Lampkin is like my favorite second. He might be my favorite character in all of Battlestar. And he's and Mark Shepard takes these characters and makes them his own. He really gets into it. Uh, some of the other stuff that he's been in, he's been in Twenty Four. Uh, he was in an episode, uh, the TV movie Murder She Wrote, The Celtic Riddle, <laughs> which was actually after Firefly. Uh, before that, he had done some stuff. A movie called Megalodon. Joel, you know that one? Uh, it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's probably been in that book that I read. I'm reading. Uh, it's about a really big Italian mob boss. Yep. that I got for my wedding. <laughs> So, Megalod- shut up, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Warehouse 13, which is a it's a cool, family-friendly kind of sci-fi. My sister really likes that show. It's like, good. really liked it. Yeah. Uh, he also, most recently, has been in Doom Patrol as Willoughby Kipling. Uh, the show I want to watch. I just haven't gotten to yet. Now, digging into him with a spoon and a knife. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, he was his father is William Morgan Shepard. Now, why does that make, why is that uh, in, uh, interesting? Now, I'll get yeah, to why it. Why do we care? Yeah. Okay. I know. I want to know. Wait. Well, his father, uh, played Father Cullen in an episode of Always Sunny, was mm-hmm. the keeper in The Legend of the Seeker, uh, was in Chronicles of Riddick, a uh, video game, did voices for Afro Samurai, Biker Mice from Mars. He, he did a lot. He was also Captain Witwicky. In the first Transformers movie, in the very beginning. Wait, glasses. Right. He was the guy whose glasses they were. Uh, alias, uh, I, he, Tex, Tex Hanolai. I can't, I cannot, I won't put this in the chat because I cannot figure out how to say this word. Um, but his dad has a lot of sci-fi fantasy type credits to his name also. Now, Holy shit. I'm not even sure I can say that. I know, right? Texnalize is probably correct. Texnalize? Now, his this is where it crosses over, is that uh, Mark has played his dad. He played the, Him and his father have played the same character at a younger age. So William Morgan Shepard in episodes of The Doctor Who, The Impossible Astronaut, NCIS Broken Bird, and the movie Mysterious Island, the father and son played older and younger versions of themselves. It's cool. That's yeah. such a cool little bit of trivia. I figured you would like that, Joel. Yeah. But, I mean, Mark Shepard, I mean, loved him as Crowley. He, if you, Joel, you would dig a dig character, too, if, you know, if you have, once you get into Supernatural. It's honestly, I think he's probably one of the best secondary characters out of the whole show and eventually becomes one of the primary characters after a little while. But, uh, but right now, it doesn't look like he's got anything up and coming. It seems like Doom Patrol has been his last thing. But, uh, but that's still going on, I think, isn't it? Uh, Doom, Doom Patrol? Patrol? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did it get canceled, Josh? 
I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing is like you lately there's three seasons. I don't I don't think so, but you know, the pandemic throws everything off. Mhm. And stuff is getting canceled like left and right. That's the other thing. Well, according to this, it says at the 2021 DC Fandom event, Doom Patrol was officially renewed for a season four, uh, likely to air in 2022. Oh, well, good then. There you go. Like when I first saw the uh, promos for that show, I was pretty down on the costumes. I I still don't think the costumes look that great, but I hear it's a delight. So I will probably eventually watch it. It is fun. It is fun. Oh, uh, and um, sorry, his dad also was in, did a voice of Peter Ferguson. Uh, in Helsing miniseries. But yeah, I mean, and it is very cool to see father and son in the same thing, in the same show playing each other. That was just, it's just a sweet little thing. Yeah, I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, I'm sure it's not the only time it's happened, but three different instances with the same father and son acting. Mm-hmm. And his father right. just passed away in 2019, so. So there won't be any more is what you're saying. No, there are not going to be any more. Yeah, no. unless he passes away and then... Oh, and uh, Mark Shepard Josh, another way, another reason you would know him, I totally forgot one of his first ones, uh, in the Fire episode of X-Files. Oh, I had wow. forgotten that was him. Yep. Wow. That's way back. And, oh, holy crap, I just looked up video games for him because we were doing voice acting for the other guys, too. Mm-hmm. He voiced the role of the protagonist, Michael Ford, in the game The Conduit, whose mentor, John Adams, is voiced by his father, <laughs> W. Morgan Shepard. So, apparently... Yes, the president. I don't know. Could be. I've never played looks, the conduit. He looks just like my father. Did he get a haircut? Did he walk past a mirror? No, same name, John. You know oh, what? Right. It could have been, actually could, probably could have been the president, because I know this this conduit game is involves yeah, uh, it, time travel. actually only half joking. I mean, it yeah. could have been. It's a video game. True. But there, there's my choice, Mark Shepard. Good choice. And his cockney accent. So next up. That would be me. It's you. I picked Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, if you don't know that name, um, I can tell you who he is with one title, The Watchman. He played Rorschach in The mm-hmm. And everybody, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what that is, why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, you're in the wrong podcast. <laughs> uh, Jackie Earl Haley, as I mentioned earlier, started off as a child actor. He played um, Kelly Leak in the Bad News Bears trilogy from the 1970s, the bad boy kid on the motorcycle who smoked and was the best athlete in the whole uh, city, apparently, among all the baseball players. So yeah, that was that was Jackie Earl Haley. He took a lot of time off after after being a kid actor in a couple of different things here and there, and moved to San Antonio, Texas. Actually, kind of got out of the industry altogether, and then. Uh, was got into directing and producing and was just doing a bunch of commercial producing and, and directing out of out of San Antonio. He had his own little production company. And of uh, of all people, the the man who uh, talked him into coming back because he wanted to work with him was uh, Sean Penn. Huh. Sean Penn uh, really? got him to come back uh, to appear in All the King's Men along him as his uh, his his body his bodyguard Sugar Boy. Oh. Yeah, like Sean Penn, like picked him, handpicked him, and went and found him, and be like, "Uh, yeah, you want to get back into acting? I got a role for you." Huh. And so he got got back into acting, and his very next film was called uh, Little Children. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. No, what's the one about? Kind of a critically acclaimed movie from 2006. Uh, he played a child, uh, child, a pedophile child molester in a in a pretty uh, pretty well acclaimed movie starring uh, starring all kinds of people like. Uh, him and uh, Patrick Wilson, uh, Jennifer Connelly, uh, Kate Winslet. 
Hmm. He also a played a pedophile in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Well, we're getting to that. Technically Elm correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Jackie Earl Haley has a certain look to him. It doesn't necessarily. It kind of screams pedophile. It, it kind of, yeah. It kind of also screams character actor. <laughs> it does not scream lead. Yeah. So yeah, he um he gets a lot of roles as uh, evil people because he's got a very uh very very I don't sinister. know what the word Sin- yeah that's a very good word sinister looking face yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, weird uh, fact: he's got one less credit than Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard had sixty-two. Jackie Earl Haley is sixty-one. Ooh! But he actually got uh, nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for his role in Little Children. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, he was a pedophile. In, um, award. Uh, uh, he was also in Preacher. Yep. He, yeah, he played the guy who owned the meat factory and had a strangely enough a like a kid made out of ground beef. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and also, like I said, you know, he was in, uh, he he was former, uh, Night Owl's former partner Rorschach in Watchmen, um, which was, you know, one of the biggest sci-fi movies two thousand. And in 2010, he was in uh, Shutter Island, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, uh, played one of the fellow, uh, fellow mem- uh, asylum members. That's on my and list. Then as, as you said earlier, uh, he played uh, he played Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. An interesting fact is that he auditioned for the role of Freddy Krueger in the original movie too, but he did not get it, as we all know, Robert England. And that's one remake that uh, I've rewatched a couple times, and just it doesn't get any better with watching. Yeah, he was signed on to play the uh, Freddy Krueger in the sequel, and the sequel's never made. Yeah, probably yeah. for the best. And then uh, he played uh, just a, a random cameo type role, not a sci-fi role, but a historical uh, movie role. And the the Lincoln movie directed by Steven Spielberg, he played the uh, Confederate States Vice President Alexander Stevens. And he played the villain, the Terror, in the reboot of The Tick. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, was, he was so good. He was so good in that role. <laughs> And the last uh, yeah. thing before we just want to talk about is just straight up some movies we've liked him in. Um, interesting fact is he has uh, two different black belts in Kenpo and Taekwondo. What? Yeah. And he still lives in San Antonio with his wife and kids. So I might drive out and find him. <laughs> become friends with Jackie Earl Haley. And Patrick got arrested. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> me watching the TV, hey, I do a podcast with that guy. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, I, I just really like him as an actor. As a, I mean, he he just got such a... Such a good uh, a good look to him, like you said. I mean, sinister is a very very good word for him. He's interesting to watch, and what's what's weird is if you go back and you look at him when he was a child actor, and he's this freckle faced redheaded kid. He still has that same kind of sinister look to him, even though he's playing you know good characters and just like kids. He still it, it's. But that's why he yeah. was so good as Kelly Leak because he he looked like you know the neighborhood you know bad kid. Yes. He just has. He's like one of those people that he's charismatic, but he has a look that makes you. He think has a that thousand yard stare even at twelve years old. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I'm glad. I'm glad he was able to come back because he still doesn't look like you know some child actors grow up and are super handsome or super pretty, and some of them grow up to look kind of weird, but still get some lots of, of work. Grow up to look like Haley Joel Osment, <laughs> and some of them looked like Jackie Earl Haley, but it works for him. Like him as Warshark was like perfect casting. Yeah, like mm-hmm. absolutely perfect casting. Yeah, he he a, looked identical to the comic character. Yeah, Probably it was the like the role. Yeah, the most spitting image of any of them. I mean, except yeah. for Doctor Manhattan and his big blue wiener. But <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a ska song. St- stop looking at it, Mike. 
Pat, you've seen this movie. You cannot stop looking. <laughs> well, I can't, but you can. Yeah. Dr. Manhattan and his big blue wiener. Listen to that Real Big Fish song. We both said Real Big Fish of all the bands that you can pick. That's just, We picked the same one because we're just sophomoric enough. Tell me you were in college in the 90s without telling me you were in college in the 90s. <laughs> uh, that's, wow. That was perfect. Nice. Well, all right. Perfect on Schlag. <laughs> Building Kinder. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're moving on to me then, huh? So for my now, I opted for Toby Jones, which some of you may be like, oh, yeah, Toby Jones. Another one people might be like, Toby who? Uh, born. Total Recall. That's how I first, that's my first instinct when you say Toby Jones. Really? Yep. Huh. Because hmm. I love that scene with him. Are we thinking? Toby Wait. Jones, yeah. It's a short, bald, big head. I right, move on. Identify, whatever. I'm looking this up because I don't. I don't remember him in Total Recall. Yeah, I don't. The either. the remake or the old one? The original. Who am I thinking of then? I don't think you're thinking of the same guy. I don't think. Toby... Yeah, it's Toby Jones in Total Recall. Huh. Well, well, this is great podcasting right here. Huh. <laughs> Three guys looking well, shit up online. Well, I, I, we'll talk I'm later. Just... That's why I said we'll talk later. Move along. I'm just like gobsmacked because I, I didn't think I didn't know he was in that. I'm, I'm, I need to confirm this. All right. Well, I'm going to keep talking and then I'll check it out later. Uh, born Tobias Edward Hazelwood Jones. Uh, he has the, uh, acronym OBE after his name. Um, because I'm looking this up here. Where'd it go? I had it in my notes. Uh, he was appointed an officer of the Order of the British Empire in 2021, uh, for services in drama. So he was recognized by, the country, uh, I don't know what you could have royal. I don't know who, who, who points people OBE, but he's got a title. Um, he was born in Hammersmith, London in the UK, first started in 1992 in the film Orlando. Um, he has 133 credits to his name so far, but he is very popular these days. Um, some of his sci-fi fantasy credits, you may remember him as Dobby in Harry Potter. Uh, he was in The Mist as Ollie Weeks. Uh, he was in Doctor Who as the Dream Lord. Uh, he's part of the MCU as Doctor Arnim Zola, who keeps to keeps popping up periodically over, <laughs> keeps showing up on little screens. Right. Um, he was in Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, he's in uh, Berberian Sound Studio. He's from. He was in The Hunger Games as Claudius Templesmith. He was in the uh, series Wayward Pines. Uh, another one of my. Uh, my other actor, he was also in another Jurassic Park movie. He was in Fallen Kingdom, just like uh, Peter Stormare was in, or Stormare, excuse me, was in uh, uh, The Lost World. He was in the Dark Age, or Dark Crystal Age of Resistance as a librarian, which we watched that series for the show. And upcoming, he's going to be in the new Indiana Jones flick. Yay, new Indiana Jones flick. <laughs> I'm hoping there's no refrigerators in the new one. Oh, my God. I think probably what he's known most for right now is from uh, Hunger Games. I think See, it... and that's, that's – I was just going to ask what, what you guys would know him from because I don't – I've only seen the one Hunger Games movie, so I don't remember. Yeah, I, th I think 100% he would be um, – he'd be known for that because that's – I mean, he's very prominent in the movie hmm. and you see his face a lot. Whereas, like, if I think if his voice was more, I won't say characteristic, but like, I didn't know that Toby Jones did the voice of Dobby until I saw him oh, on. I didn't the, know that. Yeah, I didn't know it either. 
But um, I think that's that's one of the things like those sort of roles, the voice role and that sort of thing, because his voice isn't like uh, like a Keith David. You know, you hear his voice, you Very know who that is. Yeah. Very distinctive. But um, yeah, I think honestly, what people know him was Claudius in the Hunger Games because he's in every single movie. Hmm. See, I, I, my first thing is Arnim Zola. You know, when I think of Toby Jones. Oh yeah. Well, he's kind of like this generation's Paul Williams. Anybody? Anyone? Another character actor? Okay. No, you don't no. think he reminds you of Paul Williams? I'm not sure I know well, we're talking about people that, that nobody knows their name. Um, I made a mistake <laughs> earlier. I was thinking of Roy Brocksmith as the character Dr. Edgemar. That is, I was thinking that was Toby Jones, not it with Roy Brock. My bad. Okay. The guy Good. who tries to convince him he's having a delusion when he ends up getting shot in the head. I thought that was Toby. Toby Jones is also in Wars Little Gummeridge. That you know what now? Remember that kid show? Oh, man, was we looked? it showed up when I think around the Dukes of Hazard show. It's that... When, Freaky, scary scarecrow. That's like a kids' show in Great Britain. Oh, with uh, uh, was it Sean Pertwee was the from Doctor Who was the character? Yeah, I think he was so. The, the third Doctor. Yeah, something like that. It's 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 just one of those really. Yep, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's got like Bill Bailey's in it too. There's all these people, you know, but like it's got he's got like these noodles coming off of his chin type of thing. Yep, I remember us talking about that, and we went down a bit of a, uh, a rabbit hole when we found that. We're like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, I posted a picture of Paul Williams in the chat. Uh, you'll you'll be like, "Oh yeah, from the Love Boat." I know him. Anyway, yeah. Oh yeah, from the Love Boat. I know him. Yeah. Oh yeah, from the Muppet movie. Yep. But he he's one of those guys where you see his face and you're like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy. I remember him from whatever you know." And he mm. pops up. Uh, periodically, but he's he seems to be getting a lot more attraction these days. I think maybe partially because of the MCU um, and doing such big franchises like Hunger Games and uh, Harry Potter as well. Um, yeah. See, Josh, I think I think you recognize him as Zola because you're. I mean, you are definitely not the main focus, main crowd for the Hunger Games stuff. I mean, I've seen all the Hunger Games movies like five times. It's just like I, I barely remember him. He's a fairly minor part of it. Okay. Yeah, I don't and, even and remember M his character. And MCU is a, a lot bigger part of my life, but it's not like Hunger Games is not. Like it's it's one of the things that we watch multiple times in a given year. Oh, I just looked him up. Okay, I remember him now from the from Hunger Games. But everybody looked weird in that movie. Yeah, but he's he's a good actor. You know, I mean, I don't know that he. I mean, Burberry and Sound Studio. He is kind of the lead in that, but. I can't really ever see him probably being a lead in another maybe maybe in a like a voiceover kind of um, situation, but he's always good in the in the roles that he gets. I like him. Yeah. All right. So are we to the last uh, pick? We are. I love you. your last pick, Josh. Such yeah, and a good I almost didn't pick him. Um, my last pick is Doug Jones, and uh, one of the interesting things about it is like. When I uh, mentioned to Sarah that I was choosing Doug Jones, I was like, do you know who jo Doug Jones is? And she said, well, I'm sure if I saw his face, uh, I'd know who he was. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not so sure <laughs> no. that's true. I don't think you would. But you have, I mean, I I wasn't sure who we were talking about at first either, but Josh, but when I started going through it, I realized I have seen him in probably a dozen different things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he started his career in the McDonald's commercial as Mac Tonight. Wow. Uh, he is mostly known for his work in heavy makeup, 
Uh, talk about someone like if you're talking about character actors specifically for sci-fi fantasy, uh, that's his deal. Uh, he uh, graduated college uh, as a performer. Uh, he worked as a contortionist. He uh, had a background as a mime uh, when he graduated from Ball State. Uh, he became the Ball State mascot, Charlie Cardinal. Um, he is uh, known for being the mouth of Sauron. He is in uh, Pan's Labyrinth as the Pale Man. Uh, one of the rare uh, roles where he actually shows his face is in uh, Mad Max. Uh, I think it's Beyond Thunder. Is it the second one? Let me see. I'm jumping all over the place here. Mad Max, Road Warrior, Thunderdome. Yeah, it's a Road Warrior because he is the uh, gyrocopter pilot. Oh, yeah. As one of the few times where he is not in his makeup. Uh, he also played the Silver Surfer huh. in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, he is in uh, both of the Hellboy movies, uh, the earlier ones with uh, Ron Perlman. Abe yes. Sapien. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's Abe Sapien. He's also the Voiced lead creature. Voiced by David Hyde Pierce, weirdly mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. He is also the lead creature in uh, The Shape of Water, a very Abe Sapien-looking creature. Yeah. Uh, he was a series regular on Falling Skies. Uh, he was on Arrow. Oh, he, uh, he's one of my favorite villains. My TV, the, he's the ancient from The Strain. Yes. Great character. Uh, and he is a series regular on Star Trek Discovery now. Okay. Uh, he also was Baron Afanas in the, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, TV show. Really? Well, that, yes. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, he's like just a step to the left of the ancient. Yeah, he is a uh, Lieutenant Commander Saru. That's like what he's doing mostly now is uh, he's playing Saru on Discovery. Very cool. Oh, and he's uh, in John Dies at the End. Oh, yeah, he is. He's he's one of the greatest kind of like modern day makeup men, you know, like the Lon Chaney, Boris Karloff kind of um Mm -hmm. Actors. Can I tell you guys just a stupid story about John Dies at the End? Is sure. I bought that movie. I saw it in a five dollar bin at Walmart one day, and I bought it because somebody once told me that they really enjoyed it. I was like, you know, fuck it for five dollars, I'll check it out. And I was watching it, and about two thirds of the way through the movie, it stopped. The DVD was was malfunctioned or whatever. You know, it didn't work. So, like, even though the name of the movie is John Dies at the End, I still don't know how it ends. <laughs> I think it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I should just look it up to yeah, just get closure on that anecdote. But do you really want to, or does it make it a better story to just leave it as <laughs> right? it is? Right, yeah. <laughs> so maybe just leave it where it is. Right, just let it let it lie. Um, but Doug Jones is, is one of those guys that can put on a complete full-body makeup and still emote and create a character with little to no language. Um, and, and, even when he, and he's a good actor, too. So even when he, you know, he's speaking, he's still... It's not just the makeup. He does it all, but he's just, and he's, he seems like such a genuinely kind of nice guy. Like if you follow him on uh, social media or anything, he just comes off as one of those guys. It's kind of like you want to go sit down and have a chat with. Well, you can see it, especially in, in the characters like Abe Sapien from the Hellboy thing, Hellboy movies, even though he's not doing the voice, the mannerisms and the way he moves makes what could be a very alien creature, very human. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of Shape of Water, too. Yep. Which is on my list. Something I think I need to see. It's, it's, I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. He's very graceful. That's a good word for him. Yeah. Or the, the, um, 
the faceless man, Josh, what's his from Pan's Labyrinth with the hands and the eyes? The pale man. Pale man. Yeah. That, <laughs> that gets under your skin. That really, that movie, and that, <laughs> uh, that is another case of a movie who I, where I went in expecting something, did not get what I expected when I walked in, <laughs> but was not really disappointed when I left. <laughs> Yeah, the, the scene with the, the hunter and his father and the bottle of wine, oof, that's mm. a rough one. When the captain kills the father right in front of the son. Yeah. I, I remember how terrified Sarah was of the pale man and how much she did not like uh, the scene with him eating the fairies. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. But yeah, character actors. Because the main, character, main man or leading lady cannot carry the movie themselves. Now we just need yeah, some character I, actresses. So, if we're done talking about all of our character actors, right, why don't we go ahead and say, uh, of your two picks, what is your favorite role for each one? Why, you got to be like that, Patrick. <laughs> After huh. I close my notes. <laughs> hmm. I will go with, uh, I'll go first then. I'll say, obviously, Keith David uh, would be Childs in, in the thing. I would be disappointed man, if it wasn't. Is so formative for me. I love that movie so much, and he's such such a great character in him. And Jackie Earl Haley, um, you're formative. That's he's got so many good ones, but it's, it'd be hard to say no to Rorschach just because it's such a perfect portrayal. Those would be my two favorites. Uh, I'm probably for Kevin McCarthy. I'll probably go with Victor Scrimshaw from Inner Space, just because that whole that whole movie is just so much fun, and he chews up the scenery every time he's in it. And one of the my favorite scenes, and little I don't even know if it was actually a. Uh, part of the script when um martin short's face keeps changing and it's doing that where it's kind of flipping around and that sort of thing and in uh kevin mccarthy in the back is watching he just goes stop that <laughs> you know it's a great scene but he but like i said in that, in that one he's a hundred percent evil corporate stooge type of thing in the back uh, in that so it's just a fun movie all around everybody's 100 percent in on that one and then for mark shepherd i'm gonna have to go with crowley because he Again, another situation where the character actor, the background guy, just chews up every scene that he's in. Hmm. I mean, it's pretty obvious for me with John Rice davies As much as I love Gimli and as much as I love the Lord of the Rings, he's always going to be Sala to me first. But uh, I think that Doug Jones, while I think of him first as the Pale Man, uh, he also is known for doing multiple characters in the same film. And I'm going to actually go with Pan's Labyrinth, but he was also the Fawn. And that might be my favorite. I did not know that. The one that uh, gave him the, gave the girl the chalk and all that? Mm -hmm. Yes. The, like the, the, main, the, yeah. the main monster. Like in yeah. Hellboy 2, he was three characters. He was Abe Sapien, also the Angel of Death, and also the Chamberlain. Like this is a thing he does. Right. They're like he can twist himself into funny balloon shapes, just throw some <laughs> makeup on him, and he's another character. <laughs> he's, he's not wrong. And then, and then you get, you know, get to charge him three times. Right. <laughs> now, are we saying favorite role or favorite film? that they were in favorite role favorite role okay because you know with peter stormer i mean the first thing i saw him in was fargo so that's the thing that always immediately kind of jumps out at me but i feel like his role in um uh, dancer in the dark is so kind of different for him to be in this kind of romantic drama that it He's just so good in that. And I I know this isn't a sci-fi movie, but I got to mention uh, Dylan Dog Dead of Night is just a phenomenal movie. That's just fun. Um, but anyway, uh, Toby Jones, uh, that's a little tougher just because 
uh, you know, looking at his list, I I like most everything he's done, but I think I probably go back to the thing that jumps out at me first, which was the mist, where he you know is kind of this unassuming grocery store employee who ends up being kind of a, a main character throughout the whole film for a good chunk of it anyway. Such a good movie too. Cool. So uh I guess that's it then. It is. All right, bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> All right, so if you uh were listening to the show and you're like, you know, I can't believe you guys are not talking about this character actor. Uh let us know who your favorite is. Give us a call at seven oh eight now rap. That's seven oh eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Yep. And if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast app such as Podbean or Pandora. Give us a Flick thumbs the bean. up. Stop. Ah, <laughs> If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it. So you leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. And you can also give us some support through the Kofi link that's in the show notes and help pay for all the weird little things that we do here. Joel. Uh, some of the weird little some things. Some of the weird little things. <laughs> it's uh, so weird. What do we got coming up, Joel? Yeah. Um. So we're looking at uh, Robin Hood. We're going to do a little bit of Prince of Thieves versus the recent uh, Explodey version. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, the Ed Wood Classic versus Plan 9, the, uh, yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and find out. Uh, West Side Story, Sesame Street, uh, Jackass, and Death of the Nile. It's got a lot of stuff coming up. I like how you're like, yeah, on that own, that you, you'll just have to see. There's yeah, no real. Yeah. You'll find out. I could start explaining it, but you're not going to believe me. So, no. All right, so uh, we will be back next week with some Robin Hood action for you. And in the meantime, thanks for listening, and have a great week. Sorry, did you decide to get the chemistry set out? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be real easy to get that in the garbage real quick. And like, nope, it did not turn out to be easy. Parkour! <laughs> I was like, I'll just slip this in real quick. Well, <laughs> nope. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa. Hey, oh. The implication there. I don't like it. <laughs>